Welcome back, Dodecadorks, to the Crystal Codex Chapter 9, now with level 12 characters. Woo! We are the 12-sided guys. Yeah, we are. We have Matt playing Pine. Hi. Scott playing Roos. That's me. Sabrina playing Nari. Hey there. Jordan playing Richter. Good evening. And me, Paul, the guy who's even more excited for the new D&D movie since learning that Auntie Donna did some of the character voices. <laughs> so, in honor of my favorite Australian comedy group today, I'll be practicing my Australian accent. They play corpses. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> so today I'll be practicing my Australian accent for the rest of this intro. Oh, nice. G'day, mates. Don't forget about our Patreon for maps, character sheets, and bonus content. <laughs> It's uncanny. Paul, Paul, your accent is Bonzer. <laughs> oh, I forgot about that one. And Crikey, we've got a shop where you can get Dodecadork drip. You can even buy a Kagery Stein, perfect for holding your Fosters, Australian for beer. <laughs> yeah, maybe, that's, maybe that one's too old. <laughs> You're fine. Uh, here's what I realized. I realized that when I'm writing these jokes, I have one audience, and that audience is Matt. <laughs> <laughs> Good day. If you want to hang out on... <laughs> Did you just say good day? <laughs> You're nailing it. Wait, is that Bluey's dad I hear? <laughs> well, I sometimes stream on Twitch. Uh, I stream my campaign building experience. Australian toaster biscuits. They taste great. <laughs> <laughs> this is just ripper. It's real ripper. And crikey, your ratings and reviews are always welcome, mates. <laughs> Maybe the dingo ate your baby. It's probably just a wallaby. Anyway, mates, if you ever finished playing Final Fantasy 2 slash 4 and then proceeded to write fan fiction about what happened afterward, including pages and pages of drawings, but then found out later that there actually is a continuation of the story in video game format and your ideas and predictions were way off. I was way off. Then you might just be my brother, Matt. And this podcast is for you. It's the Crystal Codex, episode 105. It's like Steve Irwin was in the room. <laughs> yes. The thing is, I can actually kind of do an uh, Australian accent. Foster's, Australian for beer. Does anyone else remember? Aust I know Matt I remembers Australian toaster biscuits. They taste I just, great. I do. Like, they, were just, they were just English muffins. They're much fluffier than those hard English things. <laughs> they taste like they got butter inside. They taste great. Oh, my gosh. Jeez. From different ports, six airships soar across Pavantis. The first is held aloft by a single patched red balloon, the next by two white spheres. The third is small, the fourth sleek, the fifth tubby, while the final looks imposing and built for war. All unique, yet each with the same destination. The heart of the dead empire, the largest city on all of Pavantis, the city of Almar. The sleight of frame and late middle-aged magister turned librarian Colbury grips the gunnel aboard the final airship allowed to leave Arkelvy. Citizens of the city had been bracing for the impending Allied siege by Terran's Protectorate, Imperial Wayfield, and Tabery for two weeks, after initial word of Tenor's retreat stirred panic in the city. Most who had means had already hunkered down and prepared to ride out the coming storm by collecting food stores, amassing supplies and offering prayer, and sadly, occasionally banditry. Having exhausted the resources of Arkelvy's library of Cadriel, 
and realizing he could do more for Pavantis without the city walls than within, Colbry packed his peculiar carpet bag and maneuvered his way through the frightened crowds to the skyport and eventually onto the airship the Albatross's Envy. Now, with Arkelvy behind them, Colbry's growing sense of impending doom stands in stark contrast to the relief and jubilation of the ship's other passengers. As Colbury spends his days at the railing gazing south, his mind grasps at the fleeting hope that there is still time before Iramil's endgame begins. Hey, Homer! <laughs> wait, who just did Barney? <laughs> that, that was me. <laughs> That's pretty good, actually. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Farther to the west, another airship bobs rhythmically in the wind as it races south. The state of her hastily mended hull, patched balloon, and passengers, the acolytes of Laramie, the Lord of Swords, bespeak the chaotic trek on which she has embarked. Her captain's constant insistence that she needs a dry dock to ensure she's airworthy is repeatedly rebuffed by Master Saman, the leader of said acolytes. No stopping, our path is south, is his constant refrain. Below deck, Saman sits in his small bunk and considers the large, lead-lined chest at his feet and the curious gauntlet that rests atop it. The glove's palm is covered in small sheets of lead that slide over each other, dull and heavy. The back of the gauntlet shows the freshly tanned leather. This is an item created for a specific purpose, and recently. Saman reaches for the gauntlet, but pulls back, thinking better of it. We have a deal, he whispers to himself. Let that be enough, my lord. Saman can feel the pull of his master's power gnawing at him, but not from the gauntlet or chest. Secured against the far wall rests the carved stone statue of a demon he brought with him from Marlek. The two blades, returned by the man Roos, still rest in the statue's clenched fists, but are now joined by three more, rescued from the ancient ruin beneath the glass mountains. These peek over the shoulders of the statue, their tips secured into the base and their pommels fanned out like peacock's tail. Two more, the statue seems to repeat in Saman's mind. Two more, south. Saman's lord is leading them south, straight into Rakolia, and if he had to guess, the city of Almar itself. Sorry if I, uh, you know, set all that in motion. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Flashback to Pine saying, don't touch those, they're definitely cursed. (laughs) (laughs) I was already holding like two of them. (laughs) The massive shadow of the angel's might hurtles over trees, fields, and homes as she also sails southward toward the old imperial capital. The figure of Sanya Pine, wiry and battle-hardened, stands at the helm at parade rest, her left arm tucked behind her back, her right hand gripping the wheel. She is known for keeping herself, her ship, and her crew orderly and professional, but now even more her comportment matches her new station as captain of the Queen's flagship. Before her, on the forecastle, regal and deadly, stands Queen Kira herself, gazing south. Nearby, the tall, broad Brinby speaks with the Queen in hushed tones. A third passenger, Bordemus, paces the deck in his immaculate plate armor and cape bearing the symbol of a wilting rose. Back at the helm, Senya has much to be proud of. Her ship and crew dominated the skies during the battle over Wayfield. Her renewed sense of purpose that she has found thanks to her new allies. Her apprentice, the man Tristan, who has made significant progress in such a short time. And, she thinks looking down at herself as a tear of pride forms in the corners of her eyes, this jacket she now wears in Menorie's blue. A small ship speeds to the sky as fast as its propellers will go. The captain grim and determined. Although he is unaware of what has specifically spooked his four clients, he feels the growing anxiety amongst them. Within the captain's quarters, these four continue their counsel, reviewing the slivers of information and whispers of rumors that have guided them these many months. As their understanding of the wild events taking place throughout Pavantis grows, 
a plan is beginning to form. In the middle of the floor rests an ornate coffer that initially contained a treasure recovered from the secret facility beneath the sunken city of Adrius. It now contains additional items of importance and it has been wrapped with strong chains and latched with a very sturdy lock. These treasures that Hop, Bert, Ember, and Artis have uncovered have the potential to turn the tide in the fight against inevitability. But first they must return to Almar with all haste, even as the forces of the Angel Iramil do the same. I love that um, that the JV team ha- is forming a plan and is gaining some understanding because the people playing those characters don't have a plan or understanding. <laughs> right? I think it's kind of... You remember Final Fantasy VIII when like you'd be playing as like Squall and them and then all of a sudden you'd be playing as the dude with the machine gun? Laguna. And, like, you had, yeah, and you had no clue what was going on. So you're saying we're Laguna and his team. I'm saying, I'm saying you guys are Squall. The JV team is Laguna. Wait, so is, so is Bert my dad? (laughs) I don't remember. How does that work? Was Laguna Squall's dad? Yeah. Oh, I, 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 that game played through it one time and that was enough for me. Approaching Almar from the south, an airship unlike any other barrels through the clouds. No smell of belching smoke or clatter of clanking cogs accompanying this vessel. In the hold, there's no food nor water either. The captain and crew tend to their duties aboard the Allele Eagle with the ease of seasoned sailors, and the numerous awakened Ormex filling her deck and cabins regard the world below them with wonder, relief, and hope. Daffodil, the captain of the Allele Eagle, guides the ship with composure and skill as her wide-brimmed hat and enormous feather wave in the wind and the sun reflects off her yellow body adorned with white flowers. One more stop, she informs the crew, before we return home to the Kilava. There is still a little room left aboard yet, and whoever cannot fit can be shepherded by Clement, Jessamine, and Marcus over land. Just one final stop before home, the city of Almar, to check in with their old friends Pine, Nari, and Roos. And, finally, a big tubby tub of an airship, the Brass Butterfly, <laughs> meanders its way towards the skyport in the city of Almar. Aboard, Pine, Nari, Roos, and Richter return with one more herald downed, for now, one more ornate key, and just so many unanswered questions. Yes. <laughs> just a tubby tub of a ship tubbing along. So you guys, uh, Nari and the boys 2.0, you guys are aboard the Brass Butterfly. You guys have, let's see, let's do some math. Um, you guys uh, at the... When you were in the library in Collinium, you had determined that there were two weeks had passed since the death of Amavi. Is that right? That seems right. We said 14 days, yeah. It's been two weeks. Yeah. I remember <laughs> that's what that we think that's what we saying. Yeah. <laughs> After that, you did travel two days north to fight um, Avalan, the Herald of the Earth, and then two days back to Collinium. And now you have been aboard the Brass Butterfly for four more days on your way back to Elmar. That means eight more days have passed, which if the math adds up, which it probably does, uh, Amavi should be resurrecting in six days in the city of Elmar. You all are aboard this Brass Butterfly sailing back towards the city of Elmar. In fact, at this point, you can see 
her tall buildings, you can see this massive cathedral of Aramil that is kind of the center point of the city, uh, just stretching across acres and acres of land. Uh, you see these buildings, old and new. You see areas of the city that are stacked on top of each other. You see the massive imperial palace up on the cliffs, up over the bay, and out in the water above, uh, rising up above the, the palace, you can see the shape of this statue of Aramil that is on this large cylindrical tower uh, jutting up out of the water. So first off, what I want to ask Nari and the Boys 2.0, what, if anything, did you guys do specifically in Kalinium before getting aboard the Brass Butterfly and flying back to Almar? Didn't we need to do something with uh, with Nari's axe? That, that was already done. Yeah, I thought we already did that. Like we rewrapped that staff and made it an axe. Got it. Okay. I'm just drawing blanks because I'm crazy. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's why we love you. Woo-hoo. My axe. <laughs> All right. Um, so anything else that anybody would do specifically? Oh, yeah. Pine would check in with uh, Tamara Jr. Okay. Perfect. Uh, we, can, we can run that real quick. Uh, anything else anybody else wants to do? I would just send a message to Kira just kind of summarizing what happened um in the library and and let her know where we're going all right very good what why don't you think about what your message would actually say um and then um we will um have her respond as well hey richter you should probably check in with that one librarian in the uh in the library of cadriel Ooh, we could talk about our sword play huh huh if that's all you got man you want one trick pony (laughs) Yeah. <laughs> I'm not very good at this. <laughs> the librarian Muriel, um, she was an attractive older lady. And, um, you know, you guys did kind of hit it off. So now that you've hit it off, maybe you can just hit it. <laughs> actually, I think the thought of actually <laughs> sealing the deal kind of terrifies Richter. Oh my gosh. <laughs> you should just take her for drinks or something before <laughs> if we she leave. flirted back, he would like soil himself and run away. <laughs> but she did. So you've been walking around in crapped pants this whole time. <laughs> I mean, hey, you know. Uh, don't worry, Roos has a fix for that. Happened to him once too. <laughs> it did. It was unfortunate. Squire would be glad to clean your pants for you. <laughs> Huzzah! <laughs> While you're wearing them. <laughs> <laughs> yes, while you're wearing them. Yeah, instantly Roos can see Squire like doing like a like a <sighs> breath and scrub on the codpiece on Richter's pants. <laughs> <laughs> like a spit uh, shine. <laughs> <laughs> okay, now it's canon that Richter is definitely wearing a codpiece. I uh, imagine anyone wearing armor is also wearing a codpiece. Oh, that's true. <laughs> okay, and then uh, yeah, so and anything else Roos want to do or just get on, get aboard this brass butterfly and sail back to Elmar? Roos um, is very interested in a business venture on some mustache cream, but he's um, <laughs> he's going to hold off for now. He's going to Roos, you should go to the library and research different foods that in, encourage earwax development. Yes, I think earwax is the key ingredient to making the perfect mustache. And uh, in your research, you discovered that it's actually called cerumen. Oh, oh. <laughs> that's what it's actually called. Okay. I think. Oh, shoot. Now I'm second guessing myself. 
quick Google search. In the search. comments. <laughs> <laughs> if, if, if Paul got the wrong word for earwax, don't at us. <laughs> He's a chiropractor. No, actually, please do. I kind of want to know. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's cerumen. Oh, God. He's not an ear, nose, and throat specialist. I am not. Although I did have to do ear irrigations in school. And oh, so that sounds delicious. Um, don't use cold water because when it hits the, um, the uh, tympanic membrane, your eardrum, uh, it could knock you out. So, Ooh. Yes. wow. All right. Pine in the city of Kalinium. Um, as you venture back from Avalan, um, you come back into a city that is, um, turmoil is the wrong word. Definitely. It is at, uh, uh, there is. It's at a crossroads, just like bone thugs and harmony said. <laughs> sure. Yes, exactly. People are in the streets. Delete on it. I can't set myself up for a joke. That's terrible. Um, anyway, no, people are in the streets. There's like, um, there's, there is um, concern and there is a lot of chatter. There's a lot of um, worry about the state of the country. And uh, you also notice that as you arrive back into Clinium, notice that there are more, um, there's a smattering of, uh, um, uh, of people in the city that may not have been allowed in before. You see uh, workers, you see um, clothes that are not nearly as fine, you see dirty boots, that kind of thing. Um, you see that the gates are open. Lovable tramps. Sure, yes, yes. You see every man, you see lots of wranglers, and and also you see wranglers, uh, poor cousin, rustlers. Um, you see lots of... <laughs> lots of... Is that his cousin from Down Enda? <laughs> It's his cousin from Bymart. Any <laughs> 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 Carhartts out there or not? Nah? Oh, you know Carhartts. Um, anyway, um, but yeah, so the city of Kalinium seems to be um, at a crossroads, um, just like you said, Pine. Um, as you venture into the city, um, you can see that um, there are more guards set up around the Abbey of Balance. You can see that um, there's rumors uh, floating about in the city about the downfall of the six theocrats. You hear some saying that they've all turned in their um, their their uh, badges of office. You hear some saying, no, 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 it was just one. No, it was three. Um, nobody's been going in or out of the Abbey of Balance uh, in the last two or three days. Um, you hear rumors that Annette is in jail. You hear rumors that she has died in jail. You hear rumors that she was killed by another member of the Council of Six. One thing is for sure, the leadership of the country of Menarest is is not in control. As you uh, pine, find your son, Temra Jr. You find him uh, back out in Moraville um, in his uh, kind of secret hideout, um, but you see that it is less secret than it was before. You see a lot more people coming and going. There is no um, show of secrecy, no show of like protection. You don't see the people, the thugs kind of hanging out outside. You see people coming and going with letters. The bone thugs? Yes, the bone thugs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you see that it seems like everything is working in harmony uh, for your son, Tamara Jr. And um, people are coming and going with, with missives and letters that he is writing. Um, and as you come into the room, he stands up with a big grin on his face, clasps your hand and pulls you in for a hug and says, Father, we've done it. Ex explain, you've done it, but now tell me what you're gonna do. <laughs> Father, you're larger than life. You're big, and you're so notorious in these parts. <laughs> I like it when you call me Big Papa. <laughs> he he kind of pulls back from me. He says, 
your duel, your duel was enough to upset Annette um, to the point where she <laughs> she overstepped. You don't. I, I don't know why I'm telling you this, Father. Of course you would know, being a swordsman. You do not interrupt a duel. Duels are sacred in Menarest. It's not done. No. Exactly. And then when she when she fought against the outcome, when she threw her temper tantrum, when she 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 attacked the people who were there, like she she lashed out in anger and 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 frustration and and despair. He says, Father, Annette is no longer in power. There is an open seat, and I have been in talks, just as you suggested, with the Temple of uh, of Justice, with Astroman's uh, clergy. And it seems there may be an opening. And I, while I may not fill that seat, I may be able to um, to be an advisor, to help guide the new the new um, Marchioness or Marquis, whoever is chosen. Of Astroman. That's wonderful. I'm I'm so glad that <laughs> I'm so glad that my mission of vengeance <laughs> and redemption was able to help you in, in your mission of equality and freedom fighting. That's kismet. <laughs> it, it it could not have worked out better. I mean, honestly, only two people died to bring about change in this country. Two people? Yeah, you may have heard some of the rumors. Um there were so many rumors. I mean, one, there was, you know, there was the one about the uh, the secret dungeon under a pizza restaurant, and then <laughs> there was the other one about how jet f- uh, airship fuel can't melt steel beams. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh! So I don't know what to believe anymore. There was the the rumor of lasers from space being controlled by some minorities. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, the rumor the rumors uh, are abound abound out in the city, but. Um, no, the rumor of Annette's death is is accurate. She did die in custody. <sighs> I suspect foul play. The fall from grace like that, she could take a lot of people with her. A lot of people who'd uh, cooperated, collaborated. But it's still... The loss of life is a shame. It is. It is. But it's a, a fitting end for someone who supposedly... Um, was a follower of the Lord of Justice. And justice, I guess, has been met in her case. Father, I think that we can make a difference here in Menarest, and I owe it to you and to your friends. And uh, who knows, next time you're here in the city, uh, maybe you'll come and meet me in the Abbey in my new office. I know you'll do great things here, son. Um, I'm so proud of you. And I'm so proud that you're standing up for something so important, something you believe in, and that you're really making a difference in the lives of so many. Thank you, Father. I I learned it by watching you. <laughs> you are right. <laughs> I learned it by watching you, all right? Who taught you how to do this stuff? Okay. I had a great example. Father, I have I had a great example. Yeah. Um, and with that, I think Pine and Temrid share another few moments of, of father and son uh, camaraderie before Pine Pine goes back into um, the city and uh, meets back up with with the rest of the group. Yeah, I'd be sure to tell Temrid Junior um, like exactly where I'm going, why I'm going, and uh, that it's 
it's it's a potentially bright future for Menarest, but the the rest of the world and Menarest included, you know, still need attention. Well, one thing you all have noticed too is that the tremors stopped once Avalon was defeated. The tremors stopped completely. Nice. Now, uh, Nara, you wanted to send a message to Kira. What did you want to say in that sending? As you hire somebody to um, to send that message for you. Wait, do I not have my cell stone anymore? Oh, you do have your cell stone. <gasps> oh, that's right. I forgot about that. Yes, as you just send the message yourself. Yeah, I'm just going to bust that out. I was just going to say, um, Kira, the heralds, they come back cyclically. We have to destroy them once and for all. Menarest is now our friend. We're heading over to Almar. See you soon. XOXO. <laughs> Pine will turn over to Richter and say, That means hugs and kisses. <laughs> oh, hugs and kisses. I'm really good at those. No, I'm not. I'm actually terrified of physical contact. That's why you use such a long sword. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not compensating for anything if that's what you're implying. <laughs> no, I'm implying that you try to keep everybody at arm's length. Everybody's Some would far say it's pretty possible. big. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, Nari, you get a response back from Kira, and it says, Nari, I will see you sooner than you think. We are on our way to Almar to assist in any way possible. And that is the message you get back. All right. Anything else before you board the um, Brass Butterfly? I mean, this is all in the past because you are technically already approaching Almar. If there's nothing else you guys want to do, you guys... How do the, how do the new floorboards look, by the way? They got replaced. <laughs> because the blood had soaked into the boards and they had to change them. They are just a little bit lighter than the old... Actually, no, a little bit darker than the old boards because they haven't been like st- uh, like uh, bleached by the sun yet. Um, but they look pretty dang nice. Nice. Pretty nice. I mean, whoever whoever patched those boards up did a pretty good job. Those that little patch of floor looks so good. Richter, you should cover this whole thing in blood and then imagine what the repairs will make this thing look like. <laughs> It'll look brand new. More blood. Could never have enough of that. <laughs> blood for the blood god. Oh wait, no, wrong game. That's a Warhammer 40k. <laughs> All right, um, you guys are aboard the Brass Butterfly sailing over hills and forests. This time, as you uh, go over the two dead zones, you are actually awake uh, over both of them this time. So you do see uh, the one line that stretches uh, and heads uh, northeast and southwest. And you also see the line that runs straight north and south. Um, and as you follow those lines, you can see back up towards the mountains where you know Kelta must be, but way beyond the horizon. We're talking uh, a couple hundred miles away at least. As you approach the city of Almar and you see these uh, beautiful buildings, this massive cathedral, we are now back in real time as Gerard comes up and stands next to you on the gunnel and says, well, never thought I'd be back uh, to Almar this soon, my friends, but here we are. What? <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I'm gonna come sell my wares in Almar. Convenient. I guess that makes perfect sense, yeah. <laughs> well, see you later. <laughs> As he goes well, Gerard, I have a business venture for you. And then Roos will chase him away. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> All right. 
So the um, the brass butterfly, it uh, sails in low over the city and um, just a little further to the south and east of this massive cathedral of Iramil uh, is the large uh, tower, the Skyport. And the brass butterfly um, ties off to one of these long stone piers that juts out over uh, out into the air over the rest of the city. And the brass butterfly ties off. You all disembark uh, from the, this ship, um, head down the stairs or the elevator, whichever you prefer to take, and are now back out on the streets of Almar with its yellow brick roads. You can see from here, you can see you're in kind of the nicer part of town. Uh, this is a place where a lot of people want to live. Um, and here you are in the city of Almar. Ah, well, I think we have work to do. Yeah, we've got to follow this yellow brick road. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, you guys step out of uh, the, of the, uh, um, the Skyport into uh, what the part of town called South Press. Um, you know that there are a couple markets around. The um, the drawn drapes is close by, um, and you are here in the city. Um, as you actually step out of the Skyport, let's see, Roos, you hear a voice in your head. Uh, it's not a voice that you recognize, but you somehow know that this voice coming to you is actually uh, from Tigish. And what it says is, the blue is full, but the brown has stopped. How long until Amavi returns? I fear an intercession from the blue. When will you return? I'm here now. Amavi will return in the next few days. When can we meet? And by here, I mean Almar. <laughs> and I think that's 25. <laughs> that's probably 25. <laughs> yeah, you get a message back after like 30 seconds and it says, you can meet me in Amavi's lair or I can meet you at the house that we met in before. Let's meet at the house. And that, that's it. That's it. No message back. Um, so that would be then at um, Richter's house. Let's take the secret away there. I think... Uh... We may have uh, earned the ire of Bartas last time we were here. He may be on the lookout for a party. Yeah, that's probably a wise, a wise idea. Let's go this way. Richter will kind of lead them back through some of the side streets on kind of a windy path until he can find an entrance to the sewers. And then we'll duck down into those. Perfect. Yeah, that doesn't take you long to figure out how to get back to your home. Um, ah, these sewers, I missed the smell. <laughs> My favorite way to travel. <laughs> and just as a description, too, when we left the city, Richter had the house kind of locked up and closed up. So all the furnishings and everything are kind of covered in cloth, drop cloth and drapes and things uh, in preparation for basically abandoning the house for an indefinite period of time. So basically we're coming into an old spooky haunted house. Ghosts. Raggy. Jinkies. I'm Daphne. <laughs> I don't know what she says. <laughs> so Daphne says jeepers. Oh, and what does Fred say? Traps. He has traps. 
Come on, gang. Uh, yeah, there you go. All right. Um, as you venture through the sewers, these old familiar sewers, actually, first off, as you are heading towards the sewers, um, passive perceptions at this point are high enough. You all feel just walking through the city. It feels different. There's something different here in Almar. Last time you were here, when Amavi was still like in control, there was that feel that buzz of like sleeplessness, tiredness. There was that kind of hum in the air of a voice barely heard or not quite audible um, that was haunting everyone's dreams. That is not here anymore. That voice, that feeling is gone. It has since been replaced with this unease. Um, This unease as you walk through the city, you see more people than normal. You see a lot of people in a, dressed in many different styles. Now, Almar has always been this large metropolis where people from all over Pavantis come um, because it is the largest city on all of Pavantis. But you see it more. And you don't see... You would expect to see people dressed in their finery from other places. But here you see people dressed in all manner of clothing from the very, very expensive to the very, very cheap to the handmade obviously from different places around Pavantis. I was going to say around the globe, but Ruth still is not convinced that Pavantis is a globe. (laughs) From all across the plain of Pavantis. And um, you see there is this uneasiness, not just like amongst the Almerians with all these new people coming to town. It is just this, this feeling of these people in the city, moving about the city. You see little... Um, like shacks and um, uh, like uh, tarps and things leaned up against buildings and people just camping anywhere, setting up their, their home, setting up their, their places, uh, their, um, what's a word for object? All oh, their possessions. There we go. The, the trappings and belongings. Exactly. They have brought them all with them that they could carry and they are here in Almar. And one thing that you can all hear, just kind of this buzz in the conversations going on here in the city, you hear the name Iramil and you hear the word inevitability and you hear soon. You hear people standing up on corners preaching inevitability, not the prophet Mordecai that you had run into before. These are numerous and, um, you know, on every third corner, there's somebody new standing up and preaching. And you see Almerian citizens walking by and ignoring it. And you see a lot of these folks from all around Pavantis who have recently come to the city. You see them listening. You see them nodding in approval. You see them making the sign. They're like, yeah, that does make sense. We should have an orgy. <laughs> <laughs> You see them, you see them making the sign um, of Iramil, um, which, uh, as I recall, way back when in episode one, wasn't it the uh, Napoleon Dynamite um, butterfly? Yes, it or, was. Yes, the that's bird. what they do. They, yeah. they do it across their chest, right? They, they take their hands together to make the bird across their chest, uh, representing the wings of Iramil. That is the feeling here in Almar as you get back. You've only been gone for, I think, what, uh, 12 days. You, uh, you find the entrance into the sewer, um, away from prying eyes, and you venture through the sewer. Um, one thing you do, uh, actually, why don't you guys all make uh, perception checks as you're moving through the city, through the sewer? Oakley doakley. Pine rolled an 11. It was a perception check, so I was destined to roll an 11. 
Nari rolled a 27. Roos got a 19. He's a little distracted. And Richter got an 11. Richter and Pine, you two are, are kind of talking about kind of... Um, I, I, I imagine you guys are still kind Swords. of... Swords. Yeah, you're still kind of living up that whole victory you guys had at the arena, you know, um, eight days ago at the uh, at the dueling grounds. Um, and then I was like, and he was like, no. And I was like, yeah, remember that? Dude, dude, you cut his hand clean off. That's so metal. I know. And this is a rapier. It's for stabbing. It's so... <laughs> <And> you- <laughs> And you can almost hear in the air around these two as they're talking. I am immortal. But Roos and Nari, as you guys are traveling through the sewers, you see less, but definitely signs of people down here as well. You see, you know, little um, little areas where people have, you know, set up uh, like some bedrolls off in the corner. And you see maybe here and there a little shelter built out of a tarp or out of um, out of a blanket uh, just to kind of give themselves some privacy. Um, and as you make your way, wind your way towards Richter's home, uh, there's nobody close necessarily to his home, but moving through the sewers may not be as um, invisible as you once were. As you find the staircase up to the uh, basement of Richter's home, you come through the trap door and through the secret uh, shelf in one of the rooms in his basement. And as you come out into the main area of this basement, this cold stone uh, uh, basement of Richter's home, you can see that already standing on there is a um, a well-dressed man in Barastian style with uh, his skin covered in scales. He's got these small spectacles on his uh, on his snout. It looks like he is uh, looking at some papers and he's got a quill out as it looks like he's either writing some notes or he's kind of going over some notes um, and he sees you all enter as he uh, sets the quill down and stands up and says, oh, my friends, I am glad you're here. Have you been talking to Gerard? That's what he says. No, he does not say my friends. He says, my friends. Oh, yeah, yeah, right. right. (laughs) It's the inflection. You guys, you know my accents are great. You heard my Australian accents already today and my Arnold Schwarzenegger accent a couple of of months ago. Um, Tigish and Gerard are two different people. Anyway. Uh, Mr. Pine, Tigish looks nothing like Gerard. (laughs) That's true. That's, it's so true. It's true. Tigish wears a more blousey shirt. <laughs> yes. Yeah. All right. Um, well, welcome back to Almar. Did you just get in? And glasses. Are those glasses? I can't tell. Yes. He's got <laughs> spectacles on his snout. I did describe that specifically. Wait, the dragon um, people in your world have te- testicles on their snout? <laughs> it's very impractical. I mean, if that's what you're into, you know, <laughs> they're Balchinians. Oh my god! Is that from Men in Black Men Two? Men in Black Two. Oh, yeah. oh my gosh! Okay. Anyway, sorry. Continue, Paul. Did you just get in to the city? Yes, just now. Hey, and I wanted to thank you. Um, the contract I put out to find my son, it worked. It kind of drew him out of hiding, and I've been in contact with him now, so we can, we can, you know, close that one out. He uh, picks up the quill again, and he writes a little note on this bottom of his paper, and he says, thank you, I, I appreciate that. Um, no, I, I, I thank you. You rendered an, an amazing service, and I will recommend the Howling Talon for all of my bail jumping and... <laughs> <laughs> criminal endeavors <laughs> and 
<laughs> Mercenary needs. Yes. <laughs> oh yes. Well, thank you. I appreciate it. There are others out there. You're a regular dog, the bounty hunter. We <laughs> we had a run in with Farron on the way out to Kalinium, but I don't know if he's alive or not. We left him in the middle of nowhere. He should have at least survived the fall. <laughs> yes, he should have at least survived the fall from the airship. I'm sad to hear that he did not uh, hold up to his end of the bargain. I cannot say that I am surprised. But I think we have more pressing matters. I sent you a message, Roos. Uh, the blue gem on the wall in Amavi's lair, it is filled. It's, it is full. Then we can anticipate whatever that herald is to be returning here shortly. Well, I can imagine you filled me in a little bit. Uh, we've had fire, we've had stone, we've had wind. I'm guessing blue is water. What? <laughs> <laughs> Long ago, the four elements lived in harmony. <laughs> he says, so, yes, I, I imagine that we can expect another herald soon. Um, and Amavi should resurrect in... Four days? Six days? Oh, my goodness. We should warn We should warn the people in the north. We already told them that uh, the Herald of Wind may return, but if there is a, if there's a Herald that's coming after those who seek to thwart inevitability, they may be targets just as we are. Well, the white gem is still at not quite full. So... Right, but what I'm saying is if if the, if the Water Herald is looking for the people fighting inevitability, then our friends up north may be in danger as well, from the Water Herald. Well, I wanted to give you a rundown of what is happening here in the city as well. We have had an influx of new people moving into the city. We've had an influx of acolytes and zealots of Iramil and of inevitability. They smell the change coming. They can feel something about to happen, and they have been drawn here by the dozens, by the hundreds. Yeah, I think we saw them on our way in. It was clear that there were a lot of churchy types, not the kind of church I want to go to. <laughs> yes, it would appear that the cancer is spreading in Almar. He says, there have been some run-ins, there have been some skirmishes, there have been some, some deaths, some stabbings, even some disappearances already in the city. The city guard have um, not been able to keep it under control. It, has it been wild and mob? Indicative more of kind of a chaotic mob-like mentality, or has there been any sort of pattern or direction to the killings and kidnappings and other occurrences? Not that we have found, um, but uh, there have been missives sent out by both High Speaker Lady Nicolette St. Clair, as well as Low Speaker Marilla, and um, seeking to uh, take back control of this city. But these new folk who have entered they don't answer to anybody. They don't, they don't have an organized leadership, and yet they're all on the same page. Does that make sense? 
They're getting marching orders from somebody, and that somebody may not be a person, but maybe a herald or an angel or, you know, whatever's behind that door. Or apple bottom. Yes. I was going to say, it makes more sense perhaps than you even realize. That was cryptic. Ooh, <laughs> spooky. <laughs> Would you care to expound? <laughs> Do you know something? <laughs> Well, I mean, just that, you know, we've we've seen Iramil speak with people and tend to influence the behaviors of people. It seems kind of uh, on brand for it to uh, be perhaps guided by the supernatural. Yeah, it makes sense. Yeah. Zoinks. <laughs> Has, you've been down, you've been kind of helping monitor the uh, the, the chamber Amavi was in and the and the 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 obelisk there. Yes. Has there been any attempt by these people to venture down there as well? To meddle or to frustrate the protection of that area? There have been a few. We have actually, we have actually um, mapped out many of those secret tunnels under the city at this point. We've been able to follow some of them and uh, determine where they, um, where they actually lead. Uh, there's actually one that goes to uh, Eudoxia University. There's one that will pop out behind a painting in the gallery. <laughs> you guys got so wrapped up in the statue. Um, you guys were so convinced it was the statues that you guys didn't look at any of the paintings on the walls or anything like that. It was actually a pretty cool puzzle, I thought, but it's all good. Um, you guys managed to find your way down there. He says there is even one in the um, ancient baths. Um, many different twists and turns. We have found people down there. They do not seem to be under the control of Amavi, um, like under any kind of mind control, at least not overt mind control, like you saw, uh, as you explained, when you were down there before fighting the Herald, but um, definitely followers of Iramil. And when they are confronted, they flee like rats from a ship. Did any of these paths you've mapped lead to the harbor, lead toward this, the, the pillar with the statue in, in the harbor? We did not find any tunnel, any path to the statue. Um, I can tell you where they all come out. We found one actually goes all the way out to the Colosseum outside the city walls. Ooh. There is another that pops out in Gadiver's Shrine, far up in the old quarter. And close by that, another entrance is at the gallery. Um, we have entrances in the cathedral. We have an entrance in um, not just Eudoxia, but also in the basement of the faculty um, housing there at Eudoxia. There is an ancient bath entrance, and there is even an entrance in the church of Lady uh, Zanlius, which you guys would know is like, she's like the, the goddess of, or the lady of like love, like not lust like Lord Radriel. But like of actual like motherly love or like like intense compassion, that kind of feeling. Um, and then um, he says, and the last we found is it uh, it actually leads to the imperial palace uh, deep in one of the dungeons. Well, then I, I I guess I assume that the the crystal gate is still our best lead at a way to enter that pillar, which we by the way have an additional key to put in there. With one from the uh, 
from the north, from the end to the air, the herald of wind, also on its way, apparently. Some dashing, strong, young leader of the people there uh, said that he was going to bring it down. Probably the greatest warrior. <laughs> How does Nari feel <laughs> as Pine keeps talking? Nari is scoffing loudly, but like not going to necessarily interrupt him, but shooting him very glaring looks. I mean, I mean, I, I would imagine Nari's got to be a little bit proud. It is her brother that he's talking about, right? I mean, eh, maybe not. Maybe not. He's kind of an ass. Yeah, I think I think she, he's a little bit kind of like gloating for it. Oh, gosh, Honestly, like he's he's the best that they've ever produced, except for Nari. But she's not of she does not living in the mountains anymore. So I don't count her as among their greatest warriors. Like <laughs> God, get out of here, Pine. <laughs> <laughs> She's one of the greatest warriors in all of Pavantis. Walking it back. <laughs> she did single-handedly take out the last herald. Yes. Oh, yes, she did. I mean, <laughs> she, oh, I mean, Roos and I were on a rope. Yes. Well, I, here's something else I realized. Um, look, like thinking back, Roos didn't even need to climb the rope. He could have walked down the side of the tunnel. I know. I totally forgot about that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you guys, you got to remember you got to remember your magic items. Roos can walk on walls. Nari, you're immune to critical hits. <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh. Oh. All right. Well, Tigish says, um, that's all there is to report from me at this point. I actually must be getting back to Howling Talon. Uh, there's a lot that needs to be done in the city and uh the the um, the Senate has actually requisitioned Howling Talon to help with at least patrolling the city and keeping some of the uh, some of the streets safer um, than they have been since you've been gone. Has there been any word on Bartas? Bartas appears to have taken to ground. Okay, okay. Um, obviously, he's no friend of ours or yours, and we very publicly. Potentially made him an even greater enemy. Uh, so it's it's nice to know he hasn't acted yet. If you will excuse me, I'm I, I best be leaving. If you need me, I will be at the Howling Talon field office. Roos, you can get in touch with me with your crystal. I appreciate that, sir. And then he um, goes up the stairs and leaves the building. Are you guys impressed with me? Uh, Paul said, since you've been gone, and I didn't even break out into song. <laughs> I actually am impressed. <laughs> I was going to, and I'm like, no, I got to keep, I, we can't keep going up the rails. Still like moving that. on. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right. Oh, I can breathe for the first time. <laughs> Well, what are you guys going to do? You are here in the basement of Richter's home. Um, it sounds like you have a little bit of time potentially to prepare before Amavi gets here. Um, and you know that um, at least um, Tikris is on his way here from the Glass Mountains. I, I, I don't have anything in particular that I need to accomplish. I suppose we wait until those from the Glass Mountain arrive and then we head down. To Amavi's lair? You want to wait to put the key in till they arrive then? Do you want to hold on to that key for that long? Or do we want to, you know, put it someplace safe? Namely, a giant gate that won't relinquish it. That's a good idea. We should, we should get that done. Yeah, we could do that. 
No, I, honestly, the only other thing that I really wanted to, to potentially do would be just to to check in with the uh, the high speaker and the low speaker, or as I call them, the tweeter and the woofer. <laughs> <laughs> because one's a speaker that does the high the high tones, and the other one's a speaker that does the low tones. Get it? Like a car stereo. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, yeah, that that can be uh, potentially arranged. So, where are you guys going to go right now? What is what's the what's the order of uh, a business right this second? I say Gate, and then maybe Gerard. I know we were just on an airship with him, but uh, I don't think he had, I, I want to give him a day or two to to replenish his supplies so that we can get some more of those potions and see if he has any other interesting items that might be of value to us. I think that sounds reasonable. Gate's the beginning of a chapter. I feel like it's going to be a big fight, so that makes sense. Wait. So, Amavi will be returning in six days. The Herald of Water also will probably be arriving sometime soon. I think we should scope out a place that would be safe for for that to happen. Perhaps one of the entrances he said was at the Colosseum? Yes. Preferably somewhere with as little water as possible. Well, the problem is we're on the coast. Probably could bring water. I mean, oh, geez. Could you imagine if the Herald had the ability to bring in like a tidal wave from the sea? It could be devastating. Paul, how far is the Colosseum from the, from the uh, seaside? Uh, from the seaside? I mean, if you're looking at the city map, it's... um. Uh, it's about as far away from the bay as you can get and still be like within kind of the urban areas. It's on Bloody Row um, between Baltor Village and Westway Village um, outside of the city gates, um, kind of on the furthest west reach of the suburbs. Uh, but that's still within like, you know, two miles of the of the bay. Well, I do like what you're thinking there, Richter. What were you thinking as far as the uh, the Coliseum? I like where you're going. Maybe more like four miles, sorry. If we're going to engage in combat, it seems like that might be the most advantageous place to do it. There's probably ample space there to have a have a fight with minimal um, collateral damage. And we can sell tickets. And we can sell tickets. <laughs> I love money. <laughs> is, this, is this Coliseum, is it still in use or is it like a ruin? No, it's it is it is kind of a ruin, but they still use it. So I mean, it's it's classic, uh, you know, the Roman Colosseum, um, as in the one in Rome, not as in like other you know uh, Colosseums. But um, it looks like it has been around for you know hundreds of years. It's fallen into disrepair somewhat, but it is still definitely used for occasional um, occasional shows, occasional um, battles, gladiatorial uh, combat, that kind of thing. We could even sell merch. Yes, like t-shirts and steins, but not hats or scrubs. No scrubs. Steins for your fosters. <laughs> uh, so, okay, we don't know when he's coming. Well, don't we don't know when this herald is coming. So it might behoove us to see if we can stay somewhere close to that coliseum, maybe within just within the tunnels there, or um. Maybe we can get permission from, you know, the speakers to 
to camp out there. The only problem is it kind of puts us, makes us stationary and also out in the open. So if, for example, Bartos catches wind of, of where we may be, combat could happen there with him and his people as well. Yeah, I'm not necessarily sure I love the idea of getting permission to stay someplace and having our whereabouts be that well known. Yeah, I should have known. You seem like the kind to just squat. Hell yeah. <laughs> I know my rights. <laughs> <laughs> so what are you guys doing right now? Are you guys going to go and put the key in the hole? Or are you guys going to hang on to that key? Or what are you going to do? I think we should go deal with the key first. Yeah, let's let's have this conversation. Let's be having this conversation while we are traveling to the uh, to the spire. Well, the only way that you know how to get in there and out of there that you know of is you've heard of other places, but uh, you know it's kind of uh, difficult to uh, find these entrances. So you head back to the Cathedral of Iramil and head down through the basement. As you guys get to the Cathedral of Iramil, actually, let me take you there. As you um, arrive at the cathedral, you can see more than other places around town. Um, You see more and more of these um, out-of-towners who are camping uh, outside of the Cathedral of Aramil. You can see um, families. You see like um, husbands and wives with their children. Uh, You can see them all like crowded together, eating uh, scant rations, listening to somebody preaching inevitability. Uh, You can see other other people who are walking around amongst this group with like clubs or with like swords, Uh, not necessarily warriors, but looking to like protect these these, uh, zealous uh, pilgrims uh, from uh, anyone who might try to push them around. It seems like this is some sort of a a community starting to build up, and it seems that the Cathedral of Irmiel has kind of become their uh, their base of operations. As you approach the front of the cathedral, you can see that the doors are um, they are they are shut, but they are askew, as if somebody has actually kind of pushed them open to the point where now they are basically broken. Um, so um, it seems that more and more people have been making their way into and out of this cathedral. I don't feel as comfortable going in here now. But uh, we got to do this. You think we could blend in as as pilgrims? Act act super casual. Last time we were here, I tried to pretend to be a follower for a meal and it did not go well. Richter was a rat. (laughs) (laughs) That's the true part. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, no, honestly, let's just we'll just we'll just push through or not push through, but you know, uh, just act act confident, right? We we belong here, right? Just fake it till you make it. And and who has the key? I think Nari does. Yeah. Let's be fair. Nari deserves to hold on to that key. <laughs> she did. <Yeah. laughs> Nari, hold on to that key tightly. Okay. All right. Um. I'll, I'll lead the way. Okay, I'll follow. Um, okay, as you walk into the Cathedral of Vermeil, you can see, um, actually, um, I think maybe 
counter to what you expected. Inside, it seems like things have actually been picked up and cleaned up a little bit. You can see that where once uh, candelabra had been knocked over and candles had been spilled across the floor, you can see now candles have been, um, candelabra have been lifted up and actually set back in place. Uh, candles, candles have been replaced and lit. You can see that broken uh, vases and uh, vases and urns have been swept up and cleaned up. And you can see that dead bodies that were left here are no longer here. Um, <laughs> um, it seems like uh, people have actually been cleaning up the cathedral a bit. Um, even the, I don't know if you remember this from last time, it was a long time ago, there was one of the chandeliers had fallen from the ceiling. Um, that has been actually moved off to the side. You can still see where it is. Um, but you see people milling about in here. Um, it's people of all shapes and sizes. Um, humans, elves, dwarves, or this world's equivalent of those different um, different groups of people uh, moving about. Um, yeah, what the what the hell is an elf or a dwarf? <laughs> Short, squatty folk with beards, and then you see these tall, thin folk with long ears. Um, you can see soft paws. Yeah, yeah soft yeah, exactly. paws and and uh, copper beards. <laughs> soft paws and uh, and uh, um, chamber pot salesman. Um, yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, you can see. Um, you can, this is what it looks like in the Cathedral of Iramil um, at this point. Uh, nobody is trying to bar your entry. You do get a few looks, and um, you can see that there is somebody actually at the far end of the cathedral. Um, there is a statue of Iramil still, and there are candles lit in front of him. But there's also this altar in front of that statue, and you can see that there is a man standing on top of the altar, and there are maybe ten or twelve people um, standing and sitting around listening to him as he preaches. Um, yeah, it, uh, from this distance, I will tell you right now, it is not Mordecai, the prophet of Eremiel. Can we hear what they're saying at all? And they're just preaching. They're not like sacrificing humans or anything. It doesn't look like it. That happens um, after dark. <laughs> <laughs> um, actually, and yes, Nari, you can hear what they're saying. This cathedral is built with uh, with acoustics in mind. And um, the voice from this altar kind of, uh, I, I was going to say booms down the nave towards you, but I wouldn't. it doesn't actually boom. But you can hear it as almost as if the person is standing, not necessarily right next to you, but close by. And it's the same old tropes you've heard from other acolytes and zealots of Iramil. You hear, the end is close, the end is nigh. There is no point in fighting it. It will happen. It's best that we embrace it. Yes, and uh, the angel will have his say, um, that kind of thing. I was gonna say something about invest in camping gear and move out to the desert. But <laughs> sell your 401ks and buy a Polaris razor um, <laughs> side by side. It's not even a very original sermon. Do you think they would mix it up on occasion? And then you hear the preacher going over the evening schedule. So first the sermon, then the human sacrifice, and then the orgy. <laughs> <laughs> oh, we just got good stuff. <laughs> orgy, orgy. Punch and snacks will be provided. <laughs> <laughs> Coffee and bars. You are free to go into the basement and follow the path you followed before. Um, in fact, um, I'll just direct you guys there. As you move... We will be very secret about the code to get through the door, though. Okay. Like It's like I'm putting in my pin at the ATM, like, like covering it with my hands and stuff. Gotcha. So nobody, no prying eyes can get, can, can figure it out. Nario kind of lean over casually, just kind of hiding him behind her. Super chill, casual, like. 
Well, as you guys move through the basement of the cathedral like you did before, you get back down to the catacombs area where there are, um, you know, different uh, servants and acolytes of Iramil who have been buried down there in sepulchers and in um, tombs. And as you pass through there last time, you remember the ground was untouched. The dust was was thick. Cobwebs and things had settled in around the tombs and there was like one path that people had followed. Now it is a smattering of footprints everywhere. And actually, as you are down in the tombs, you see that there are people actually looking at some of these tombs down there. They are reading the inscriptions. You hear even more sermons down here in the basement. And as you move through the catacombs and then down into the living chambers uh, of the acolytes of Iramil, um, you can see that it looks like people have actually moved into some of those rooms of the different um, priests of Iramil, where they used to live, uh, down here in the basement. Um, you can see that supplies have been restocked for food uh, in the kitchen and in the eating area. And you do find the staircase going down to that room where there was the, uh, the levers and the code. As you get down into that room where you... Uh, you remember last time you had to solve the puzzle that the puzzler had presented it before you. And uh, you do see that there is um, <laughs> there are three folks down here who are just randomly twisting dials and pulling levers and then saying, um, you know, talking about how this must be the final, the final, um, what was I going to say? Oh, this must be the final trial uh, before we can truly, truly know Iramil. And they're trying to find meaning in this puzzle, but they have no clue what they're actually looking for. Um, as you guys come down here, they kind of give you um, wary looks and they make the sign of the Angel of Vermeil, the the Napoleon Dynamite bird across the chest. Can Hey, can we have a turn there? They they look at you wary because you did not return there. Oh no, I, I did see, oh yeah, I see the, the birds, yeah, birds, yeah. No, your left hand goes like this a little bit more. You kind of do that with your fingers. And I got to put all of them out, not just the middle one. Okay. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. It really throws off the facade if you just use the middle finger. I'm sorry, folks. Arthritis, you know. <laughs> I knew you were going to blame it on arthritis. <laughs> I knew it. Um, okay. They kind of move aside, but they're watching you warily and uh, with interest as well. Well, you know, this is a this is a trial, so you'll need to figure this out for yourself. So turn around, turn around. Bruce makes like that hand cupping motion that people do to block their codes on, you know, the credit card pin pad thing. Nari kind of glances at her axe and glances back at them. As as you are um, doing that, one of them uh, kind of they, the two of them turn around and start going back up the stairs, um, but they keep giving you backwards glances and with angry um, kind of um, uh, irritated faces. And the th a third one, uh, before they leave, they turn around and they point at you and they say, "Iramil will have his say," and then turns around and walks away. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> um, you put in the code and the gate clinks open and then you I'm guessing once you get through you close it again with the lever on the other side yes as you make your way through familiar tunnels uh, through these uh, it almost looks like ancient streets of the Almar that used to be that is below the current city of Almar um, you come to the open well, open more open area where you had the confrontation with the zombies of 
Amavi. I don't know what else to call them. The the enthralled um, of Amavi. The best damn bartender in town. <laughs> yes, he was. Um, that spooky boy went up and just just vaporized. Um, <laughs> um, you move through. You can see that um, bodies have been moved. Uh, they are no longer there. Um, you can still see areas where you know maybe that might be a little bit of blood from the fight. You know there might be um, a little um, a little scrap of clothing that may have gotten left behind from somebody else who uh, was defeated down here by you. Um, but you move through that area back up uh, uh, north and west, uh, exiting this area back into another tunnel, and then you find yourself entering the chamber of Amavi, just as you remembered it last time you were here. You come into this large square room, and in the center of this room is basically another room uh, with another thinner, more uh, broken down wall. And inside of that thinner room, you do see this massive ziggurat uh, through these cage doors. And you see atop the ziggurat, sticking 35 feet up into the air, you see the top of this black obelisk. Last time you saw it, well, I guess last time you saw it, it had already lost its power. Um, and now it still looks to be um, a dull black with no power coursing into it from around the city. Um, and you see um, on the far side, on the north wall, you can see this large um, wall panel um, with crystals on it. You can see you see on this panel, you can see that there is a white crystal that's up at the top, and it is almost full of of energy. Um, its its status bar is almost full. This it's almost completely downloaded this um, MPEG. It's been hovering at ninety nine percent. Yes, exactly. And uh, unbeknownst to everybody else, it is basically like two rounds away, like twelve seconds away from filling. Then um, you can see that um, off to the right, you see the red crystal is also full. You can see on the left side, there is a brown crystal that is a little over three quarters of the way full, but it has stopped filling. Um, you can see right there in the center is a purple crystal that is, um, it's getting, it's closer to full than the brown one is, but it's still a little ways away, maybe 80 or 85% full. And you can see down at the bottom, you see this blue crystal is now glowing and pulsing with energy as it has filled up completely. You also see um, underneath the red crystal, underneath the purple crystal, um, you see two keys have been entered into the um, these small keyholes right below each of the crystals. All right, well, we have the key. Here goes nothing, and Nari will take out the key. And uh, yeah, put it in. You, as you enter the key, as you put the key into the keyhole, just like before, you can feel it fit in perfectly, and then it's almost like there's a magnet on the other end that just kind of whoop, pulls it out of your hand that last, you know, quarter inch, and whoop, it sticks into place. And now there are three keys in this wall. You stand here in the chamber of Amavi, kind of, I imagine, kind of. Reliving some of your past battles, the battle with Saros, the Herald of Fire, the battle with Amavi, the Herald of the Mind, and the battle with Avalan, the Herald of the Earth. And realize, looking at the crystal with its blue pulsating power, that eventually you very well may have to face the Herald of Water. We are going to step back and take 
a what is it, twenty thousand foot view? Let's say a hundred yards. <laughs> As you stand down here in the chamber of Amavi, um, for our listeners, suddenly imagine you are looking down upon the party. Suddenly, the camera zooms way out, way out above the city of Almar. You can see the walls. You can see the Colosseum. Is a globe. Sorry. <laughs> you, can see the, you can see the horizon and it, and it actually curves. Go figure. No, um, you can see the Colosseum off to the west. You can see the Imperial Palace up along the cliff. You can see the statue of the angel of Iramil. You can see as the camera keeps rising and rising and rising until if you're looking at a TV screen, the city of Almar is, you know, if you were to split the screen into nine equal squares, it's right in the center. It's in the... Um, Alice from the Brady Bunch Square. Okay, that is that is the <laughs> that is what you that is where the city of Almar is. You can see the bay. You can see the water. And off to the north and the east, you can see the water of the bay suddenly begin to pull way back, exposing, well, not the ground, but still the sea level drops dramatically. Anyone looking out at the bay, looking at the statue of Iramil, sees suddenly much, much more of that tower is visible as the water level drops. And as they look further past the statue, they can see way out in the waters of the bay a massive wave approaching the city of Almar. As people realize what is happening, they begin screaming and running, trying to get somewhere, somewhere safe from this wall of water that is going to hit this city. You see people running into their homes and locking doors. You see people climbing to the top story. This this wave is not, it is a very large wave, not tsunami large, but a massive tidal wave. And just as it approaches the city at breakneck speeds, um, people realize it is going to hit with tremendous force. And anyone there right along the coast is in for uh, a very bad day. Suddenly, this wall of water hits the cliffside, engulfs the gallery, engulfs the Imperial Palace, flows up and over the shipyards, even goes as far in as Smitchy's Bazaar before it finally breaks and a full third of the city has been hit by this massive wave. But that's not all. For now, the water floods and flows all throughout the city as this tidal wave recedes back out into the bay, leaving broken homes, broken bodies, and destruction in its wake. Back down in Amavi's lair, Nari and the boys, you you don't know that that has happened except for this loud rushing that you hear coming from all around you, echoing into this chamber from these caves, from these tunnels, from the, um, from the east and from the west and from the south. But the noise you hear most is this rumbling through the walls to the north as suddenly through the tunnels entering into Amavi's chamber, water rushes in. And before you know it, I will actually, first off, I'll have everyone make uh, make a dexterity safe. 
difficulty difficulty 18 actually okay everybody you get to add plus five now because uh i was um generous and upped my charisma instead of my dexterity (laughs) nice i needed that plus five (laughs) i'm going to invoke my luck because uh i rolled a four so even with that i did not do well and that is even worse uh so i i did not pass yeah, Richter rolled a 12. With the plus 5, it puts him at 17, so he would normally fail, but he's going to use a charge of his Ring of Evasion. And Pine rolled a 20, a dirty 20. Oh, so Pine Pine saved. Is Pine the only one that saved? He's got a 13 plus the 5 to 18, so I save as well. Okay. As this water comes rushing in and hits you guys, it hits with tremendous force. In fact, everyone who failed, oh my gosh, will take 36 damage as it tumbles you along and you slam against walls. You get pushed up against this wall here in the center of the chamber. Um, It beats you up. Anyone who saved takes half damage and manages to keep their footing. And by the time the water stops flowing in... Bruce doesn't take any. Because it was a deck save. <laughs> by, the time, by the time this water stops flowing into this chamber, uh, you are standing in, well, for Pine and Richter and uh, Roos, it is um, mid-thigh. Um, this, uh, this puddle, this pool of water that has now filled Amavi's chamber. As you guys all get up to your feet and kind of uh, shake your heads and look around at, at all of this incredible destruction that just hit you suddenly you hear coming from all around you and yet you can't quite place where it is actually emanating from but you hear a voice and the voice you hear is um not this not it's not common it's not um it's not almerian it's not ustranian it's not a language that any of you speak unless somebody took a new language while i was not paying attention or unless somebody has a scarf from the beginning of the game <laughs> is someone going to pull up their scarf over their ears <laughs> uh yeah i will i will okay <laughs> I, I might miss the first few words like as i hear him start speaking but it actually you hear it start speaking and you hear it actually repeat over and over and the words you hear growing stronger and stronger with each repeating is rain and sea the blood of pavantis Take this blood and vitalize the end. And it gets louder and louder. And all of you can hear this voice. I want to know what you guys are doing at this very moment. Uh, give me one second. Let me move you guys over to that chamber real quick. Guys, I think the Herald's here, and I think she had an accident. <laughs> <laughs> or she's very excited to see us. <laughs> oh <my God>. <laughs> <laughs> It can be both. <laughs> <laughs> All right. As you guys are um, hearing this voice and you're here in this chamber, it is now flooded with water. Um, what do you guys want to do? You you imagine that something is coming and you have just a short amount of time before it arrives. I'm going to hand um, Nari the uh, potion of embiggening that I bought from Gerard. So if you want to take it, you can you can basically cast enlarge on yourself. Oh, sick. Okay. 
That and hopefully that might even help you trudge through the water. I know what you said it was up to our mid thighs. I figure for Nari, it's like making like the soles of her shoes wet. But if she was extra big, then it would be even cooler. Hell yeah. It makes everything in here, um, uh, it, it's going to make it um, uh, difficult terrain. Um, and Nari, if you do grow, I will say that you it's not going to be difficult terrain for you anymore if you do take the big the, the embiggening potion. Okay, so Pine, that's what you do. You hand Nari a potion. Are you going to move or are you going to stay put? Right now I have you guys all kind of standing up near that um, that north wall where all the keys are. I think what Pine would then attempt to do would find some higher ground, so probably head toward the spire, the stairs of the spire. As you guys recall, actually, you know what? Believe it or not, because of the force of the water, you see that much of the um, of the walls have actually tumbled down. The walls of this inner um, this inner um, this inner chamber, uh, you see that a lot of them have actually tumbled and fallen. And now it is even easier to access the ziggurat in the center of the of this chamber. Yes, yeah, so I would just try to get out of the water so that I can have a little bit more movement. Yeah, you go up just like five feet up the stairs of the ziggurat. Yes, perfect. Roos, what are you going to do? Roos is going to use a new ability. He takes his chakram and he'll throw it um, up to the top of the ziggurat. Yes. And it hits the top of the ziggurat and Squire catches it. And then in that moment, Squire and Roos switch places. So now Squire, pardon me, Roos is standing at the top of the ziggurat. Okay. And then Squire is standing down in the water and Squire kind of like, uh, kind of like looks down at his, like it lifts up the shoe and looks at his shoe. And like, <laughs> it's like, now my pantaloons are wet. <laughs> he's like, <laughs> you can tell he's very disappointed because now his pants and his, and his shoes are ruined. And then he remembers that he is literally like a ghost and he just kind of disappears for a second. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, so Nari, you took the potion. Is that what you're going to do? Yeah, I will take the potion and then get as close to this uh, column as possible. Going to move up the ziggurat as well. Very good. And Richter, um, in your basically one turn, um, what are you going to do? I'm going to say Lord Astroman's Flaming Wrath, Herald of Blazing Judgment. And I'm going to summon uh, the kind of avatar of Lord Astroman, the flaming a- avatar of Lord Astroman. <laughs> Damn, though. <laughs> look at look at them cheeks. <laughs> look at look at them cheeks. It's giving me Doctor Manhattan vibes, but just red. That's what I'm. I'm seeing. I'm seeing Johnny Storm. It is Johnny Storm, actually. Okay, I can see that. So okay. Um. So Richter, where do you want to summon uh, this fiery ally? Does the does the fiery ally do they float? Do they fly, or are they standing on their own feet? Because that's also going to make a difference. This one will be flying. Yeah, this it, it is, is going to be. Okay. It'll it'll be the devil version of this. Okay. So it has flight and it shoots fireballs for its attack. Fantastic. Very good. Okay. And then Richter, where are you going to go? Um, as you have basically one round of movement before something happens. Uh, I'll just kind of stand right here. Not on the ziggurat, just down in the water for now. I guess we'll we'll see. We'll roll the dice and see how this goes. Very good. As you all have now decided. Oh, and is this where, where do you want your, your your spirit to be? Is that good? You you should have control of that spirit. Yeah. Yeah, maybe just a little bit further to the uh, to the east. I am going to roll a six sided die to determine something. Here we go. What did I roll? A two. Okay. 
uh, as Richter kind of stands a little bit further to the east, Nari and Pine are standing on the north steps of the ziggurat. This fiery um, being that Richter has summoned forth is more on the east side of this inner chamber. From the west entrance into this chamber, you hear that voice, that unearthly, yet somehow beautiful and melodious voice. Just fill your ears as suddenly rushing through the tunnel entrance on the west side, this massive figure, you can only barely make out that a figure is moving under the water and then rising up out of the water, you see this unearthly and beautiful shape rise up. It is slightly feminine in form with if that's what you're into. <laughs> it's tentacle porn. Hey, I'm not going to judge. I'm not going to judge. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, I don't know. I, 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 I've been watching Sex Education, and this is right up Lily's alley. Just needs to be an alien. <laughs> rising, up out, <laughs> rising up out of the water, you see this feminine form. It is, it is skin, pink skin, pinkish purplish skin, like that of maybe like a squid, but it is got this uh, kind of long hair made out of tentacle. It has arms and legs that as they end at the elbow, they turn into these masses of tentacles spreading out and hanging 10 or 12 feet long. As it rises up out of the water, you can see tentacles where its legs should be spreading out and not just eight tentacles like an octopus or a squid, but dozens of tentacles as this being rises up this unearthly yet beautiful form looking at you as Yasaro, the herald of water stares at you and is ready to defend this gateway and this obelisk and that's where we're going to stop for tonight jeez wait was this one directed by Guillermo del Toro <laughs> totally the most beautiful tentacly womanly monster <laughs> comes up to you sensually and says hello I'm just thinking the shape of water I never saw that I mean the practical effects are just astounding <laughs> <laughs> uh, alright I guess well, hey thank you for playing and um, we are you're welcome we are, Right in, <laughs> yes, we are right into it. In yeah, we're all doing this just for Matt. That's what we <laughs> learned today. <laughs> no, just the jokes, just my jokes. I know that if I can get Matt to laugh, then I have succeeded. Because if I can get Matt to laugh, then I know it's a joke that I would like as well. Chapter nine is uh, starting off with a bang. As Yasaro, the Herald of Water, has made her appearance known. Uh, anyway, welcome back to the city of Almar. Next time we're together, we'll see what happens. Until then, I'm going to miss everybody. I'm going to miss everybody. <laughs> Go <laughs> check bow, out our bow, Patreon. Bow. Um, we have uh, a lot of content up there. You can also check out, I do stream sometimes on Twitch. And um, we do have a shop. So go ahead and order your Dodecadork drip. We have some really cool t-shirts. Well, we keep talking about the the Stein. Um, there really is a Stein. It really does say the Kagri on it um, from way back in Tabri. So if that's something you're interested in, uh, it's a fantastic uh, product. Anyway, we thank you for all of your support. And uh, until we get together next time, we hope you have a great time. <laughs>